From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. And welcome back. Hard to believe. I don't know why I'm always surprised when we make it to the next episode. <laughs> I guess just because I'm still here alive and kicking and we made it through this COVID-19. We did it. We've made it to episode 45. Thanks for coming back. If this is your first visit, well, even more thanks for checking us out. Hopefully the cannabis information you will find in the next 30 minutes or so is going to be useful for you. This episode, I'm actually going to start off with a potpourri of a bunch of little items that I want to talk about. I finally have that conversation all lined up that I've been promising for a while now with longtime listener Chris Kubesko. He's from Michigan, and we're going to talk about growing some autoflowers indoors. And we're actually going to do a cultivar corner that has a bit of a retrospective look to it. I pulled out the penultimate jar from last year's crop the other day and thought, let's see if this still packs a punch. All of that and more is coming your way on episode 45 of the Cannabis Podcast. One of the things I absolutely love about doing the Cannabis Podcast is when I hear from somebody who's just discovered the program and is enjoying the ride. It, it thrills me to no end because, as you well know, I am passionate about this plant and I love to share my knowledge and my enthusiasm for this plant. And it always excites me when somebody sends a note in to say that they have connected with it. And I got one of those this last week. Uh, Chris, who is a 25-year-old young professional from somewhere in Ontario, sent me a note. Thank you, for Chris. Really appreciate the contact and glad you came on board. Chris asked the question about using a vaporizer. It had been suggested by a friend that perhaps instead of using edibles, which we've already talked about are very difficult to doze, maybe move to some smoking. And if you don't want to smoke, use a vaporizer. And the suggestion had been to microdose with a vaporizer to better control the effect. Well, if you spent any time listening to this podcast, you know that I'm a big believer in the true way to dose is through inhalation. You can absolutely control your dosage by taking just enough and then stopping. And of course, vaporizer is something that I've been uh, suggesting for a while is a better way to inhale rather than smoke. At least you're not getting all the carcinogens from the smoke associated to that. So that was intriguing. I really appreciate the contact, Chris. I hope you continue to enjoy the podcast. And if anybody else has any concerns or thoughts like that, I'd love to hear about that as well. And then this last weekend, of course, was Mother's Day. And I was absolutely thrilled from another number of perspectives. Notice on Twitter, a number of moms who imbibe in cannabis were commenting that they had received some gifts of cannabis, either from their kids or from their partner. And it was one of those that I was really intrigued by. I actually got the message when we were out in the golf course the other day. And I have spoken about this couple before. They've been friends of mine for a few years now, new to cannabis. I was the one who introduced them to the concept and, and gave them some suggestions. They're loving the, the whole experience. Um, the woman has had some issues with her uh, lungs afterwards. So she has stopped inhaling and now deals strictly with edibles. Uh, whereas uh, the guy, he still enjoys it. He followed my advice of taking a vaporizer. And hopefully once these COVID days are back, are over, we can get together and, and have another session. What intrigued me was 
She sent me this text, and here it is. Both of our daughters bought cannabis edibles, chocolate for me for Mother's Day, where previously they would have bought wine, flowers, or regular chocolate. How times have changed. And that really expressed to me exactly that, how much times have changed. And I was thrilled to hear those kind of things. So there are some positives happening. The stigma is starting to go away. It's becoming more accepted cannabis in our society. And it's pretty thrilling. It's also pretty thrilling that I'm heading back to work in just a couple more days. In fact, when this podcast airs, already you've worked a couple of days. Our grand opening is happening on this Saturday. Spirit Leaf in Kelowna is the place I'm going to be and thoroughly looking forward to it. And that kind of is enough potpourri to get started today. How about we get to our interview? And Chris Kobesco is another one of those listeners of the Cannabis Podcast who contacted me a while ago, first got introduced to him through email. We had some discussions back and forth, and he had lots of ideas of things that he wanted to hear about on the show. And the most primary thing that he was talking about was talking about growing, giving people an opportunity to perhaps grow their own cannabis. So it took a bit of wrangling back and forth. Schedules change. After all, we are cannabis users and we have lives. <laughs> but we finally managed to get it all together and Chris joins me now in conversation, and in fact, we pick up the conversation just after I have connected with Chris on the phone. Morning, this is Chris. Good morning, Chris. This is Gary. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well, and nice to finally connect. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and, and, and in the, the end of the virus hole, yeah. really here, things are getting back to normal a little bit. Things are starting to clear up a little bit, yeah. Where exactly are What province are you in, Chris? Um, we are we are in um, in Michigan. Um, we are right. Uh, the Lake Superior is only about uh, ten miles north of us. Oh, nice! I, and 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 see, there you go. I made an assumption that you were somewhere in Canada, and I don't know why I got that assumption. <laughs> well, you but, know, you know, Canada is only really the shortest route, two hours away. How are you doing today, Chris? How are things in your world? Good, good, good. We're, we're we're doing well here. We had even had a little bit of snow this morning, but um, oh my, <laughs> May is starting to push through a little bit. Yeah, it is. It is starting to feel like May, and and here in BC, they are starting to loosen things up a little bit. How have things been for you in this this COVID world? Uh, you know, we are so isolated in this neck of the woods. There's not much of a difference. I'll be honest with you. And as we were preparing for this, uh, one of the questions that uh, Chris asked me, and which uh, I appreciated the question, but I also appreciated the humor of it, considering the content of this podcast, which is all about cannabis. And Chris uh, asked, is it okay if I'm a little high on the show? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I did sample the product this morning. And, and, and everybody knows the answer to that question <laughs> because they all, <laughs> they all know that I'm going to be high during the content of this conversation. <laughs> so let me, let me start there, Chris. What have, you, what, what have you imbibed with this morning to get yourself ready? Oh, this, this is the uh, Gorilla Glue 4. Mm. We're, we're, we're still on that. This is the one that you sent me some pictures of. Beautiful looking flowers. I did, I did, yeah. Oh, she just took off. All of them did. And, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm not even a rookie yet. Yeah. So I thought I would want to share a little bit to say, you know, don't get discouraged. Things happen and, and yeah. it's not a difficult plant to grow. Why don't we start there? What, what should be the first step of somebody who's uh, now, now I'm going to suggest, based on our conversations, I'm thinking that your growing is predominantly indoors, correct? Yes. Although I did try outdoors last year okay. without great success. Oh, you didn't? Yeah, but I had that really was my good mistake. success. 
Yeah. What, and, and what do you think we were just, what was your mistake? Oh, I, you know, I believe just, just the weather, um, um, the, the plastic may not have been the correct type of plastic, um, not able to move the right air through, not enough control in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. See, we took completely the opposites in, in terms of our outdoor grow. Mm-hmm. And, and as you also know, I've, or you may know, I got ripped off at the end of both of my seasons the last yes. two years. Oh. Um, but we take a completely approach. We, we put the plants outside and just let them go. We, we, oh, hey, we yeah. water them yeah. and let the sun work. And uh, we did not add anything to them. And I'm still smoking some of the stuff that we harvested wow. last year. And I think it's the best way too. Yeah, it's it's so vibrant and 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 it and it doesn't take a lot of effort. So that's the outdoor side of things. It, it doesn't, you know, to to let the cycle run its course. Mm-hmm. Let the sun be your timer. I agree. Yeah, exactly. So now, now of course, the disadvantage of that is if you're not using autoflowers, uh, your harvest ends up being darn close to the middle of November <laughs> up here, which is pretty late in the year. It's true. Yeah. So let's turn our attention to the indoor where, where you've had more experience, Chris, and, and, and give me a sense of if somebody's thinking of doing this, what are the, let's run through some steps. What are some of the things that they should be considering? You know, I... I I was thinking about this and I thought, well, what do you need essentially to do a grow, to do four to six plants um, successfully and have a harvest that, that could last you throughout the year? Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? I, I, don't, I don't think there's any reason why, why one couldn't get between a half a pound and a, and a pound off of four to six plants. Okay. And you're using um, autoflowers? We are. We are. I'm using autoflowers. We use four of them. Um, I built a little area, um, no more than, I think it was a four by six room okay, in a room. Yeah. Um, I used an HPS light that I found on Craigslist uh, with a 1000 watt bulb, um, and a ballast you can get used for 50 bucks, a hundred dollars, you know, and you don't need to, um, you know, I know LEDs are, are great and they save a lot of money, but to get the same efficiency or to get the same product or yield, you'd really have to spend eight or $900, I believe, on an LED to yeah. get what you would get out of a 1,000-watt HPS, which is yeah. you know, just a street light, as you know. Yeah, I'm getting that same sense that if you're going the LED route, it's going to cost you a lot of money to get started mm-hmm. these days. Yeah. So, so you know, if, if you have um, your, your LED light and your ballast, um, I used five gallon containers that I got free from the local bakery. Nice. Yeah. Um, they like big containers. So e- each plant gets its own, gets its own bucket in, in your grow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And one thing with them autoflowers too, is you don't have to transplant or you should not transplant them. So once they're in their original container, let them grow and that's it. Okay. Interesting. Because I haven't done autoflowers before and, and kind of looking at doing those this year, uh, although we may still do the outdoor route. Oh, I think you'll enjoy them. I think you'll enjoy them. Yeah. The the thing that we found, and, and you can give me some perspective since you have some experience with the autoflowers. Again, outdoors, when we grew our sativas and indicas, uh, here in BC, I'm not sure what the rules are in Michigan, but the in BC, the rules for growing cannabis, you can't grow four plants. But they had this odd, this odd stipulation that exists in no other province, and that's that those plants cannot be seen from a public space. Same as Michigan, yes. Okay, it's the same mm-hmm. thing. 
So, so what happened with our sativas, which were in the back of our yard, and when they are below the shed, you can't see them from a public space. But lo and behold, those suckers got to be 13 feet tall last year. Wow. And wow. they were visible from that public space. <laughs> so, so how big, and this is what I'm really curious about moving into the autoflowers. Let's say you didn't control them. Would you still have the situation that they could grow that high or, or by the very nature of, of adding the ruderalis into them, it keeps them a little bit more of a lower profile? Would they A little lower profile, I, yeah. I believe. Yeah. You know, two to four feet seems to be about right. Now okay. they have the super autos. They say they get four to six feet, okay. which would be interesting to try. They're just very manageable to move in and out of a tent, to water, um, um, to, to feed, um, and and they are solid plants. Um, they once they start flowering, um, they really stack quickly. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. The outdoor stuff that we grew, the the flowers developed so slowly mm-hmm. <laughs> that you know I, I would take a picture and then I would try to compare that picture. I think, well, I think there's some growth there. I, I'm pretty sure there's <laughs> some growth there. Can you see any? How, how long have you been doing? The, your indoor growth. Oh, I just, you know, I just started last year, just last year. And I, nice. I thought to myself, you know, I made all these mistakes. What can I change? I got simpler and things started to happen better. And isn't that something we always should learn is simpler is often better. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Um, I, I also use for soil, um, I use cocoa choir, which is just the coconut husks. Okay. It's very forgiving. If I make a mistake, it can be flushed quickly. Nice. Um, I, I also tend to keep my, well, our water is always at a pH level of about 7 here. And they like about 6.7 to 7, they say. I think that's important. So, you know, I, I do that. I also let my water sit for three or four days to get the chlorine out because chlorine does affect them pretty drastically yeah. versus photos I found. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that They're a little too. sensitive. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's something that we haven't considered. Um, in, in our watering, our outdoor plants. Maybe we're going to have to start thinking about that. And I keep my nutrition very simple with them. I use I use two, I, I use one um, um, uh, nutrient for veg and one for for flower. Okay. Um, uh, both both organic and both are top dressers. So that makes it a little easier too. You don't have to measure really anything. You just take you know two tablespoons of the um, uh, organic nutrient and sprinkle it on the soil. Mix it in with your fingers a little bit. Yeah. And then water it as you will. And every two to three weeks, you just recharge it. Oh, nice. You couldn't make a mistake. You know, it's just simple. The plants take it in slowly. You can't burn them. Yeah. So something somebody would want to consider. And because they're auto flowers, you're not worrying about any 12-hour light cycles that, that come up. That's correct. Yes, it's so simple. And, um, you know, I know some people who use even a 24-24. They don't even worry about light leaks. They just have them in the corner of their room yeah. with the light on top of them. And so that makes it a little easier. You you don't have to worry about things like, you know, turning that plant into a hermaphrodite or um, <laughs> re-vegging it. Or, mm-hmm. So you, you don't have to be perfect when you build a little structure or use a tent. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to buy the best tent. Or, so it makes, makes it a little bit simpler. They, they're ready pretty quickly, too. Um, 60 days, they say. I think more 90 days. Okay. Yeah, that, that's the thing I'm going to be really curious about from the outdoor perspective is when those flowers start to show up because they're, they're about to go into the ground. They've been in the greenhouse for a bit now and uh, probably going to go in the next week or two. And as I've mentioned before, that's probably the last thing I'm going to say about my outdoor growth this year. 
<laughs> I don't want. I don't want to have anybody to have any. Well, I'm going to continue to grow them, but I'm not going to talk about them on the podcast because I don't want to. I don't want to entice anybody to come and take my crop again this year. <laughs> so I mean, and and you know, when they're done, it, it seems to me, um, you know, I I just look for the trichomes. I got a little jeweler's rouge, and Excellent. some people yeah. say, you know, when you have eighty percent cloudy uh, or twenty percent amber trichomes um, um you're ready to go i think it's a preference as long as they're at least 50 80 percent cloudy i i wholeheartedly so I, agree from, from the way that i perceive it and, and what my experience and i've been doing this for two years now so i'm not a long-term grower either but in looking at the trichomes for me almost every time that i got to a harvest i was looking at about yeah i would probably say 80 percent cloudy so fully cloudy um yes. very yes. little clear and and the occasional amber and that's one of the reasons why some of our product got left or got, got stolen because I wanted to leave it a little longer. I wanted to do an experiment, a little, little bit more go amber to see what the effects would be. But the bastard stole it on me and I never got that chance to see it. <laughs> you know, what's nice too about, about things like autoflowers is you can selective harvest as well. So if it, they're almost done or one branch is looking well, you can harvest that early the plant continues to grow. Okay, nice. And then that was the other thing that I'm curious about, Chris, is, is so you've you've done the grow, the plant's ready, you've checked the trichomes, you've got 80% milky and, and 20% amber, you're looking good. What process do you go through through harvesting? Do you take the whole plant or, or do you take branches as you just indicated? You know, I take the branches um, individually and then I will hang them in my little four by six room um, um, with a fan going lightly on them and temperature control. I've got to say one thing. There's an instrument I use. Um, I, it made it so much easier called an ink bird. And an ink bird, what it does is it is basically it keeps that temperature where you set it. You plug it into a heater okay. and an extraction fan and that temperature will stay 72, 74, whatever you like. Oh, that's that a good a big idea. Difference. Yeah, that's one area where we have, have perhaps not done as, as good of a job. The, the area we use for, for drying is a specific area in our house that is not necessarily uh, able to be controlled from a temperature perspective. And, and I think our, some of our, our harvest suffered a little bit from that. And then I, I, will, I will, you know, I dried for 10 days um, until the branches would, would, would crack when I, when I bent yeah, them. Yeah, when they that, were that little snap as you, as you give it a little click, yeah. That's a good idea. And I find curing, um, you know, I wasn't going to cure for long, but I cured for like 30 days and what a difference. Yeah. So, so I curing it's in like a, aging wine. Yeah, exactly. An airtight jar and then it you were really burping is. them every day. Mm-hmm. Your buds come together. They, they, they harden up, they tighten up. Um, your trichomes, um, seem, seem to even get, get almost thicker. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a fascinating process. The curing. It is really, isn't it? It yeah. is. It's almost as I'm bored when I don't have that to do now. I, I almost <laughs> hated harvesting. I want to, you know, I plan on growing soon, but yeah, that's a good. It's point. almost as fun as smoking it. You know, it is. <laughs> it's really point. fun. You're right. You, you lose that. Well, okay, I got to do the burp, and 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 with the jars I had, it was a, it was a fairly significant process that that you oh, go yes, through. Oh yes, yes. Um, it but is I really every day. Do, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do find that it really does make the nugs really nice and and tight and and just nug them up. I guess is the whole, is the whole purpose. It really does. Yes. Yes. You're not disappointed at first. They might be a little loose looking, but yeah. like you say, give them the time and they'll come around. Yeah. That's very cool. So what has, now you sent me uh, some pictures of your Gorilla Glue 4 that, that you're currently um, smoking and enjoying. Mm-hmm. Has mm-hmm. that been the favorite, favorite strain that you've tried so far or has, have there been? You know, you know um, 
I, I, I tried one like three years ago called El Chapo. Okay. Yeah. And that was just a real heavy hitter, long laster, good tasting. I, I can't find it anymore though. Oh, that's too bad. But I do. Gorilla Glue 4 is my, it's my go-to. And if memory serves me correct, Gorilla Glue is down the Indica line, is it? Is it not in terms of its heritage? It is. It is. I believe it's 50-50. Yeah. And, and that, I think, was one of mm-hmm. Willie Nelson's strains that he liked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. I, I think smoked. I got it from I Love Smoking com is where I ordered it from. Same okay. as you order, I believe, from sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very cool. Cool. And Great genetics. It's fascinating to me that, that we are we're at this stage, and, and, and I don't know if it's the same uh, down in Michigan, but as you know here, cannabis was declared an essential service um, in, in these COVID times. All of our um, cannabis stores are still open and, and exercising you know, social distancing and, and all of those kind of things. Same, same here. Glad to hear too. Yes. Yeah, and 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 it's just so. How long has um, legalization occurred in your state? Um, medical was in two thousand and eight, and recreational was in twenty eighteen. And do you think your federal government's ever going to catch up with all the states? You know, um, I think they're a little more progressive than most. We have um, a great licensing categories here. Um, for less than fifteen thousand dollars, you can grow. 150 plants and have a storefront to sell. Oh, wow. I So, I mean, the licenses are just very inexpensive and people get together with three or four people and make it happen. Um, so they're very inexpensive here. Interesting. It's not hard to set up a shop at all. I'm going to take a step back now as well, Chris, and, and get a sense of, of how long have you been using cannabis? How, how long have you been involved in this? Oh, I, you know, you know I, I did my experimentation in high school and college, but you know, I, I think I wish I would have known about, you know, the effects a little bit, the positive effects a little earlier, um, instead of even looking a little, you know, at, at alcohol and at college and, 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 and that, those kind of issues. And okay. I wish it was legal 20 or 30 years ago, but I think three or four years ago, a little more consistently, um, just to maybe just to relax after work and then yeah. deal with being a little anxiety or depression and, and focus. It's a wonderful medicine. Truly is. It, it is a wonderful it is. plant. It, uh, it it just astounds me that there's still so much of our world that considers it to be this this evil evil plant that you know that is destroying our world, and yet in fact it's doing the exact opposite. It's, I agree with you. Many still do up here. Yeah, yeah. It, but they're changing. Stigma is, is is a big thing for me, and, and it always will it be. Is I guess it is. It is mm-hmm. horrible. And then you do a, a flush of the growing medium before you finish up, right? I do. I did a two-week flush, um, watering every day, um, a good gallon or two of runoff. And then they started to change just like the, the leaves in the fall. Just beautiful. And then I knew they were close. Nice. And so you were saying you were getting about a 60-day, 60, 60 to 90-day in, in terms of the from the plant growing to the time you had the flower off of that. And then you were curing for another 30 days, you said? Like yes, yes. I think, you know, 95 days to really flower the plant or to veg and flower, 95 days from seed to harvest would okay. be about right. Um, and then I, I, I dried for 10 very gently mm-hmm. and I cured for 30. And boy, I got to say, pleased. Nice. Pleased. Nice. And, you know, and, and a lot of it was, a lot of it may have been just luck, but, you know, I did my research and anybody can pull a nice crop, I believe, for. Three or four hundred dollars in electricity and and a hundred dollars in equipment or two and 
you'll make your money back. Well, we'll take that as a as a bit of a challenge to those who are considering to to do some growing this year. And and if you decide you want to do it yourself, as Chris says, it's something that can be done. It, it's it's not like uh, not like you have to set up you know, one of those. Back in the day, when when you know, grow houses were around every city in town, and and you had the smell permeating out of them, and and the houses oh. were destroyed because there were so many plants growing in them. Those <laughs> yeah. days are gone with those type the type of aren't, grow you're talking about, right? Aren't they? Oh, you know, I mean, it's just so clean now. Um, I mean, even even without filters, even um, I extracted right out a window. Okay. Um, no issues with bugs, really, but there's just uh, neem oil to spray on the plants if you get any kind of um, issues, which usually takes care of them pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and autoflowers, they say, are a little more immune to nice. pests. Um, I didn't know about that either. So Even better. better for outdoor. Yeah, and, and we've been lucky so far. We haven't had any issues with pests. And in fact, my wife looks at it the other way. She, she considers that the cannabis plants are taking the pests away from a lot of the other plants that are in her garden. Um, <laughs> I guess I get the, the terpenes are strong enough that they're just sending everybody away. I don't know. <laughs> yes, yes. They don't seem to bother them outside. They seem to almost, you know, be more repellent outside to bugs than they are inside. Yeah, very interesting. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, excellent. I am so glad that, that we pursued this, Chris, and we both yeah, managed time. To, to get it together and, and go through this discussion. And, and chances are I'll give you another call and, and see how things are going with your with your crop as it's going. Thank what you. I would like to finish up with, as I typically do, is my hot seat questions. They're not difficult at all. And, and in fact, I think you have all the capabilities of answering all of them. <laughs> so what would be your favorite strain or cultivar? I'd have to say El Chapo still. That's still it, eh? Yeah, that's still pretty nice. It. And if you're consuming, is it joints or vaporizer? Water bong. Water bong. Now, there's Water one I haven't bong. used That's for a while. That's what we do in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, my, my, I don't think my lungs can take that big water bong hit anymore. <laughs> I'm going to change soon, I think. <laughs> so you're still doing it. You're still honking on the bong. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, that's, I mean, that's definitely one of the best way to get a really big hit of, and a nice high. It with is. That. It really is. Keep your bong. Yeah. The funny thing is, I, I I don't even have a bong anymore. You may want to reconsider. Well, I'm I'm starting to think that. I'm hearing <laughs> from a lot of people that that maybe you know I'm because I mean let's be honest I I do use a vaporizer most yeah. of the yeah, time. Yeah, they're nice. They're wonderful. But mm-hmm. I also smoke a joint. You know, I mean, if I'm you know just yeah, yeah I do quick. two once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mm-hmm. you're, you're intriguing me. I may have to go back and and pick up a little bong and and just get back into that magic because I used to that used to be my favorite way of smoking all yeah. the time yeah it is it is nice now now let, let's stop on there because I, I just read something the other day because the issue that I always had with the bong and I'm sure you do as well is that that stinky bong water that gets down in the bottom of it because I as a <laughs> as a lazy cannabis smoker back in the day would not change that water on a frequent basis I was reading a story the other day that said if you change your bong water after every use, mm-hmm. you won't you won't get into that. Do you, do you do that, or, or do you let it sit for a bit? You know, I do it. I do it every other day, but I use alcohol, ninety one percent, and rock salt. Yeah, um, and too, I so. shake it up really good, and it cleans it in like twenty seconds. It's spotless. Yeah, that's a really good cleaning agent. The ice and and adding the rock salt for the for oh the yes corrosion in it. That's a really Save good idea. Time. Excellent. Okay, so we know it's joints or vape, and your favorite munchie. I'd have to say ice cream or yogurt with a little jelly 
It's been uh-huh. my favorite lately. Oh uh, man, after my a little own bit of heart. A sweet. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of the kind of the same way. So whatever um, I can get my hands on. And uh, edibles or flour? I do a little of both. Um, I make a lot of can of butter with the uh, sweet or with the sugar leaf that I have. Okay, good. But mainly flour. Mm-hmm. And as an aside, there, what's your what's your experience with edibles? Do do do, do they affect you um, in a similar way? And and do you enjoy the high of the edibles? Um, you know, they, a little bit different. Um, not as much as the flour would get me. Okay. Um, but a little bit more longer lasting. Um, and a little bit more of that body sensation. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I absolutely. like them. I do. I enjoy them. Good. And then I got a couple of other questions, and these involve, uh, and I'm fascinated as we move across our various countries, whether it's Canada or the U.S., there's just slightly different terminology across the country. So there's a couple of things that I'm curious about what terminology you might use in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you call a running joint when, when, when it starts to run away on you in, in terms of the, the paper burning up the side? You know, I've heard it called a white rabbit. Okay, that, see, now that's interesting. Here it's called a canoe. <laughs> oh, inter- oh, yes. Oh, of course, sure. Yeah, Makes the, sense. The, the shape of the canoe. So white rabbit, uh-huh. that's a new one. I like that. And then the other one I'm really curious about is because I've noticed uh, in, in my time in sales uh, that this one has different terminology right across the country. Yeah, that is involving what we would typically in BC call an eighth. If you were going an to eighth. buy that in uh, Michigan, what would you call it? See, we, we, we would call it an eighth as well, an eighth. Okay, yeah, that's good. The most amusing one that I've talked about on the show many times is a half quarter. Like, yeah. like what the heck is a half quarter? <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, we also, some people also, you know, do the seven and a half grams too, you know, those 7.5s. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then in Quebec, it's logically called a three and a half. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because it is the three and a half. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's a it's a fascinating plant. It's a it's a fascinating culture, and and I have found without a doubt the people involved in cannabis are just really nice people, and I think we've proved that fact again today, Chris. I agree with you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having a, a chat with me and giving us some idea of of what can happen from growing those auto flowers indoors. Any plans for your the rest of your day? Um, I, not a lot today. I'm off today. I might go back and clean up the grow room a little, get it ready for number three. Ah, nice. Well, I look forward to hearing about how that goes, Chris, and you enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks so much for being on the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Go to our corner. We're taking a bit of an odd turn on Cultivar Corner today, uh, primarily for the reason that I wanted to use the word penultimate. <laughs> if you ask my wife, she'll tell you that's one of my favorite words. Uh, I use it every opportunity there is when I am doing the second to last thing. So I today opened up my penultimate jar of homegrown from last year. There's only one left. And I thought this would be an interesting thing to do a cultivar corner on to see not only is it still kind of fresh and has a really nice fruity bouquet. So there's still enough terpenes there to to give it a fair amount of smell. 
It uh, now this is one of the jars. Uh, it's pretty nuggy. The nugs tightened right up to the curing that we did last year. And let me just pull out the jeweler's loop and see if we can take a peek at the trichomes that have. Oh my goodness sakes! Oh oh, I'm very impressed. These little puppies are just full of nice milky trichomes. There's a little spattering of some amber. Oh, so I suspect that uh, when I, and uh, let me just pop some into the vaporizer for the quickest attack to see what it's going to do. My lowly mighty, which I must say is reaching the end of its days. Uh, I've mentioned before in the podcast, I seem to be hard on vaporizers. I've, I've gone through two, va two volcanoes which are the granddaddy and, and the most durable. I've <laughs> buried two of them. And it looks like I'm soon to be burying my mighty. But for the purpose of getting a quick little buzz going, I'm just grinding up in my hands. So it's still moist enough that it's not crumbling, not like some of the stuff that I have gotten that was packaged back in 2018. So this was from December of 2019. That's when this stuff came out of the jars and went into a packaging after the curing process. So it's been a few months. I'm able to just crumble it in my fingers, but it takes a bit of work. It's not crumbling into dust. So to get it to the stage where it's good for the vaporizer is taking a little effort. We are about ready to give Ethel Street Haze vintage 2019 a taste and see, and based on those uh, trichomes that I was looking at, I think it's still going to have a pretty good kick. The vaporizer is up to temperature for Ethel Street Haze. Still got some taste. Not harsh. So, well, I'm sure there has been some CBN production as the THC degrades. I don't think it has been substantial because it's not really harsh. Not, not having this dying urge to cough. Now, I also have to remind you that sometimes that is due to the temperature you're using your vaporizer. If you run it a little too hot, you can cough over some of the herb that you inhale. Hmm. Yeah. Just a hint of a fruity flavor to it. Almost like somebody added some vanilla or something to it. And with hit number three, and here come the happy eyes. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty happy. Not only is this the, uh, this may be the penultimate jar of the homegrown, but it seems to be just as strong as the stuff that first came out after we finished the harvest last year. So I'm happy. That's a good sign. And then I've got one more ounce before we come to the time where I have no more homegrown in between the time we start our plantation this year. <laughs> so if you're in Canada, with the exception of Quebec and Manitoba, you can grow four cannabis plants. And if you want to have some fun doing it, experience the joy of the bounty of growing stuff yourself and save a bit of money in the process, I encourage you to do so. You can get seeds in a lot of different outlets now. In fact, you can get seeds at a lot of 
um, of the government stores or the private government regulated stores are now selling seeds. The licensed producers have finally realized that there is a market for that. So take a look around at that and take advantage of that. If you don't want to start with four, well, just grow two. Remember, of course, in BC, you have to be have a space in your yard that is not visible from a public space without use of uh, any kind of other device, meaning they can't use a telescope or a periscope to, to look at it. But I don't know why a submarine would be out there anyways. <laughs> okay, clearly I'm digressing. I think it's time to stop now. This has had the effect. I was wondering if it did. It does. So there you go. This has been in the uh, cupboard for... Um, since last December, and it still packs a pretty good punch. And once again, we did it. Only this time we completed episode 45. I hope you found some of that useful. If you ever have any suggestions of what you think I should talk about or somebody that I should interview, please send a note to info at cannabispodcast.com. I have had a suggestion, actually, from somebody that we all know, my son Ian, the writer and composer of the Cultivar Corner jingle, and soon maybe something else. We'll see. But Ian had a suggestion that he has always wondered about the humidity packs that you're getting in your cannabis these days. So I think I'm going to call up him in the next episode, and we'll have a chat about those humidity packs and how they impact either positively or negatively your cannabis. That wraps it up for episode 45 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season 1 of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong, available now at dopehistory.com.